So what we're going to talk about today is the art of complaining. So probably many of you are saying I should have skipped tonight because I already know totally how to do that. And so um, as, you, as you know, uh, uh, what I've been speaking about the last couple times that I'm here is talking about the concept of doubt. And while I was away, we had a wonderful time in Atlanta. Thanks for giving us the time to go down there and check out Bethel, Atlanta. They're doing a great job down there. All you guys are phenomenal. But one of the things that I began, just God began to create the, the connection with me uh, to the concepts of complaining and murmuring and grumbling and whining and all of these kind of concepts. And he started to roll through my head, sort of like, what's the anatomy of those things? How do they work? And why do we as human beings seem to be so connected to the concept of complaining and grumbling and whining and whatever the last one was, murmuring? And he was kind of drawing me all the way through the scriptures, as you probably are doing yourself. Many of you are scholars in your own right for the things of the scripture. And you're saying, you know, there's a, certainly a pattern of this murmuring and complaining thing literally all the way through the Bible. And we see it and we sort of say, well, that's a bad thing, so we ought to try not to do that. But what the Lord was drawing my attention to was the similarity between the mindset of somebody who is a doubter and so the, you know, that we're talking about this concept now, Jesus was Matthew 21, 21. He's talking about operating in the supernatural power or the releasing of everlasting life out of your life. I think that this next thousand years of the kingdom is going to be about the, 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 uh, the manifestation of the sons of God. And those things are not that you're not already a son of God, even when you were a sinner, you're a son of God, but you don't have any of the eternal life apparatus going on the, on the inside of you. Peter comes to Jesus, you know, the blood, eat your, drink your blood and eat my flesh part about Jesus's ministry. All his disciples scatter into the bushes. Uh, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, are you going to be going too? And Peter turns to Jesus and says, where would I go, Lord? you have the words of eternal life. He's connecting this eternal life concept, or we should probably say it God-like life. The, way God, the, the life like the way God has it, not live forever kind of life, although that's part of what God does do. But they were observing more than that. They were seeing this God factor. It's like eternal life, the battery of eternal life, this this, this thing, this effervescence, this whatever. It's kind of hard. We're struggling the same way they were struggling, I think, in the day to define, like, what is that other than this is the life like I think God has it. He's just, everywhere he goes, dead things turn to life. Sick things become healthy. Lack things become abundant. All of this stuff sort of happens not really because Jesus has a fire tunnel or an altar ministry that I'm not against those things, but it was the, just the, 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 yeah, like the essence of it flowing out like, like a, in waves. They're observing that and they go, what the heck is that? Let's call it, I don't know, eternal life. Life like God has it. Peter says that the, that, that, that the containers, the seeds, the capsules in which eternal life is contained as a seed is in the words that Jesus said. And so, and then Jesus comes and he says, okay, listen, this concept of using eternal life, using supernatural power, using God-like life to transform the world around you is as simple as anything. In Matthew 21, 21, he says, if you will just believe and doubt not and say and receive, then this, the, the circuitry is going to be in place and what you're doing, saying, uh, releasing out of your life is transformative to the world around you. And you, like Jesus, will just be with people and they'll feel better. They'll, you'll just say, hey, how are you? And, and touch that person, releasing in physical contact, be careful of this, but physical contact, you are releasing eternal life. You say some words of encouragement and life, releasing those words to another person. All of a sudden, it's like, I don't know what, I just feel like a million dollars right now. 
And that person, you know, like with Jesus, they're a little bit weird at first and they're standoffish. But then you look at the season after Lazarus is raised from the dead, and all of a sudden Jesus of Nazareth has got the rock star thing happening for him. People are coming out of the woodwork and filling it up in tens of thousands of people back in a day where they didn't have cars and boats and trains and these kind of things. People are just coming to, because why? Because they knew there's, an, there's something supernatural being released out of the life of this person. And then he says, it's simple. It's just believe, doubt not, say, and receive. And so then, now that's, that's sort of recap. And so then the Lord is speaking to me as I'm away, and he's talking to me about this, how do we really know if we are doubters? I, don't, I remember this a long time ago. I don't think I think as much as I used to think, but that's... Because I used to... It used to be so much going on inside of my head, bad stuff. And it would be doubt and negative and fear and all these things, but, you know, you're kind of just zinging through life at 50 miles an hour, and you don't really realize all the conscious thoughts that you're having. Yeah. Unless something really has a negative connection, you kind of think, no, I'm not, I'm not a doubter. Not realizing that a lot of our hesitation and procrastination, all of the minim minimizing that we do in our life, that's minimized really because of a singular problem, and that is doubt. Because there's no question, Lord said this in the, in the beginning, it says, faith's not the problem anymore. And we, we've gone through a hundred years now where people have been picking apart the Bible so that we really know what are the promises of God. If you don't know what the promises are, you can, within 30 seconds, Google will tell you a whole list that is probably longer than you can read about what are the promises of God that the Bible has for you. And we've gone through 100 years now where we know prosperity is for us. We know healing is for us. We know wellness is for us. We know that God is good. We know that everything is going to turn out good for us. We know everything is going to be fine. We know that heaven is our promise. We, we know that this is, no, that's not a problem anymore. When, when Kenneth Copeland... And these guys, you know, or Roberts, these, Ken Hagen, you know, they were fighting against people who th couldn't believe, couldn't believe right, right. God was good. Right. Couldn't, no, no, God wants me sick because, you know, somehow it makes me love Jesus more because I'm so sick. At least I pray now, I guess. So, I, and they had these upside down concepts of, and so that they needed somebody to come to them and say, that's, those are lies. The Bible does not say those things, and we pick it apart, and so we're all pretty confident right now that the Bible says we can be healed and well and happy and successful and fulfilled and live meaningful lives, and we can have all of that stuff. Yeah. Yes, we can. Now, the problem, you know, what the Lord was showing me was that we're go we went through this curve. It's like the, me and my curves, obviously, <laughs> but we started off this journey, and what we believed was a whole bunch of lies. That hasn't changed. Oh, look. A whole bunch of lies. And so the lies were going down. Uh, and so they were turning, if you want to say, uh, how else do I do it now? No, I should probably do it the other way around. Um, got the cloth? Just so that I can get it all under the same, under the same graph here. Let's say in the beginning, we didn't, we didn't believe any truth. Right? So obviously, all, everything that we believe was a lie. So the truth equation was going up like this as we were becoming more and more filled with a belief system that was actually the Word of God. The problem was, at the same time, uh, where we, at the beginning, we didn't doubt. We, we, we didn't know to doubt. We just came into the kingdom, and the Bible says, pray, and God will answer your prayers, and you go, okay. And so you don't have any doubt. You prayed and got the answer to that thing. You didn't really know anything, but at least you didn't doubt. Right. So the little tiny thing that you did know, you know, God loves you and he'll answer your prayers. Bonus. Shockingly, it's, it worked. It probably frustrates the bananas out of you when you get somebody saved and they get the thing that you're believing for. <laughs> and you've been doing all the do's because you know to do them. You see? But what's happening is as we, are, uh, as we are getting older and older and older, our ability to doubt not is also going down. So what is happening is you, we, we, our, our, our spiritual manifestation is zero at this point, 
but it doesn't ever become not zero. Because here, my believing is going up, but what's happening is my ability to doubt not is going down. The equation always ends up being zero. Do you understand? So I'm going through this season where I'm learning how to believe, but at the same time I'm learning how to believe, I'm also learning that I don't know how to do it. I try it out a whole bunch of times. It doesn't work. And because it doesn't work, that's supposed to work. You don't believe it yet. But once you believe it, the problem is, is it's taken so long to actually believe that you've fallen down and scuffed your nose enough times that now you've got real good reasons to doubt. Do you see how that's working? So your belief is going up and your doubt is going up all at the same time, which is still making the answer to the equation zero. Do you see the problem? So now, as we step into the game now where most of you have got this word of God and you understand what the Bible says, you've got the scripture and verse probably tattooed somewhere on your body. Now the problem is we have to deal, just deal with how do you not doubt? And so that's now the connection then, you saw this before. And so the connection now is to this concept of complaining. And what the Lord was saying to me was, Doubt is evidence of a negative mind. So when your mind is thinking about negative things, or better still to say it, negative outcomes. We've talked about this a long time ago with the Hope Series, but we don't, as human beings, we never live in now. The quality of now is all about what is about to happen. And so when I think a good thing is about to happen, my now is phenomenal. When I think a bad thing is about to happen, my now is miserable. So everything about my right now experience is all about what is about to happen. What I think is about to happen. What doubt is, is a expectation of the wrong thing happening. Even when when you take a look at spiritual things. I'm praying for somebody, and I, you know, I've got the word of God, you know, we're going through it here. I've got 17 scriptures, the back of my mind says, this is not going to work, I'm going to look, look like an idiot. See, that's doubt. It's a negative, I'm expecting a negative outcome. And even though I've got all the scriptures that are lined up here, I'm not properly governing what's going on inside of my soul, and so it's flipping over onto the doubt side of things, or it's flipping into the possibility of a negative outcome. Complaining is just that possibility of a negative thing coming out of my mouth. My negative existence, oh, my foot is hurting, oh, my back is this, oh, I got this, I don't have enough money, and oh, it's too cold in here, it's too hot in here, oh, church again tonight, all of those kind of things. I wasn't listening in on your phone conversations today. The, the problem, the, what's, what, what is evidenced by the fact that I am complaining is that things, these things are going on inside of my mind. And because they're going on inside of my mind, they're coming out my mouth. And we have to realize that we live, and we've all heard these kind of teachings before, but I'm trying to tie in the, the ability that we have to use a complaining, murmuring, grumbling, whining kind of, an, of a habit to, to give us an indication that the pro, even though you know, we can tell you don't complain all we want, until you change your soul into from a negative soul, negative outcome soul to a positive outcome soul, you're going to continue to notice the things with your soul when you notice the things with your soul, if, if that, that, what that's going to do is eventually it's going to become a complaint. As you let that mature, it's eventually going to become a habit of complaining. Just always noticing the thing that isn't quite right right now. Now remember, that's going on in your soul. It's, and you may not even know. I remember when Tina came to me and says, you know, talking about complaining. And I said, I don't say that. She kind of looked at me, you know, the way they do through their eyebrows, you know? (laughs) Like, what? You say this all the time. You know, we're working on something right now, the concept of expensive. This is a family little, little, you know, little peephole into our family activities, how much fun we have as family. So we're working on this. We use the term, that's expensive. We use it all the time. We don't use it anymore. Thank you for that. 
But that's a complaint. I've got this pair of shoes. Those are really a beautiful pair of shoes. Oh, but they're expensive. That's a complaint. You see, but you notice what the complaint is all about. It's a neg. I'm feeling bad because that's a $75 pair of shoes, and that's, well, you know, that's expensive. What am I really saying? I don't get to have them. Or my expectation, my outcome is negative, and so I'm out this, this, it's coming out of my mouth. Where's the problem is not my mouth. You'll notice as we talk today, we're going to deal with the Old Testament where they deal a lot with murmuring, complaining. In the New Testament, we deal a lot with doubt. Because the New Testament is, okay, you've been given your soul, it's back in your control. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. Train up a child, he'll go, and in the end, he will not depart from it. Whatever you're trained up in, you're done. And so if you were a complainer coming up in the Old Testament, what they had to do is they had to get one of them really industrial staplers and staple your lips shut because there's, there's, that's the only way we're going to get you not to complain. Your soul is already built into a habit. It's going to stay with that habit. The New Testament's not like that. Amen. So even in the New Testament, we're saying you should, you know, you should stop complaining, but I'm not talking about complaining. I'm talking about it from the doubt perspective, which is only evidenced by complaining, murmuring, grumbling, whining. Does that make some sense? Because in the New Testament now, ain't no excuse. Well, you know, I was raised up wrong. Well, change that. Well, it's my mother. Change that. You know, if only my coach would change that. You have the power to change that. So there's no excuses anymore. This is the New Testament. So it's so much easier in the New Testament, Pastor Alex. Grace, grace, grace. Yep, it sure is grace, grace, grace. Now you're responsible what you do with it. And one of the things, as we're going to discover, is if we can just get this one curve here. So we're going to grow up in the, in the truth. But if we can get this to, get, to just basically be zero, even if we just stop complaining, then at least we're going to get it from zero to 100. And this amount of spiritual power is actually going to be released. Right. Now, that's not even the objective. The objective is to do that and begin to use our expression in a way that becomes uh, cooperative or uh, expectant in line with the truth. Yeah. Now we have the, the, the uh, hope, uh, uh, faith that is expressed out of hope, that is expressed out of our life, and that is received into our lives. Do you understand? So that's, a, that's when the equation now is not just fear, uh, have faith and doubt not. It's have faith and hope. Hold fast to the confession of your hope, the Bible says in Hebrews. So my confession, the words out of my mouth, need to be in line with the truth, right. expecting the truth to come to pass in my life. Yeah. And that's now my thought. When, I, when I'm looking at the world around me, I don't even see the thing to complain about. I'm so focused on where I'm going. I'm just loving my life to such an amazing level. I'm living in the dream. It doesn't really matter to me whether it's too hot or too cold in here. Right. Amen. I, I, I don't even notice if it is or not. And I don't even notice. You spit in my face. Oh, it must be, is, there, is it going to rain? I need rain. My grass is getting... Right? I don't even notice the fact that it happened because I'm, my mind just isn't involved in it. I'm just not noticing negative things. My, and, and this is where we have to go. This is the point of that, of that scripture is to say, get rid of all that negative out of your soul completely. Even if you feel like you are doing something irresponsible by not thinking about something. This was always, Pastina and I, you know, Tina could she just, God would tell her she'd believe. That was just our life. And I'm, I'm the stick in the mud when it comes to these things. It's like, Tina, yeah. no, no, it doesn't work like that. Let me show you mathematically how this is going to work. You can't argue with the math, Tina. And she would go, math, math. God said that. And you see, sometimes it's, I'm thinking about you, Tina, you just need to be more responsible about these things. There's a, you know, there's stuff to, I'm not saying don't balance your checkbook. I'm saying don't balance your checkbook with a negative expectation, a negative outcome. And now all of a sudden, it's like you got lots to say about the fact that your checkbook is in the position that it's in. Those things are called complaints. They're rooted in the negative expectation that is rooted in a, in a habitual way of thinking about something that has been created by a world that sees negatives. We're not, we don't really have, ne there are no negatives, I hate to tell you. 
we perceive things as negatives, but it's either a seed or a harvest. Right? It's either an opportunity for me to grow or an opportunity for me to share the things that I learned last time I grew. That's all there are. And so when you take a look at life in that dimension, what we start to do is we start to ignite this kind of supernatural power being released into our world, to the world around us. Just because we refuse to buy into this mere man scratching around like an animal in the dirt kind of an existence. So complaining. Are we all on the same page? Becoming skillful at complaining. Here's the definition of complaining. It's an outward expression of a negative thought or emotion by someone who is discontent with their lot in life with the intention of, one, soliciting help or favor to get what I want. Now, these are legitimate reasons why you would complain, right? If I'm in a restaurant and they didn't give me my proper meal, then the way that I get what I want is to complain. If you don't have the heat on the right setting in the church and I'm working up a little bit of a sweat, the only way I'm going to get you to realize that we need to adjust the thermostat is to find the guy that's got the iPad and complain. Because then if I complain, at least I have an opportunity to get what I want. Don't get what I want, even if I do complain, then I up the notch and I start murmuring. And so if I can't fix the problem with the person who can fix it, I'm going to fix the problem by talking to the person who's next to me, by which I can release all my negative emotions and feelings by murmuring about the problem that I'm experiencing. Can anybody see there's a potential downfall in that strategy? The problem with that is the identification of the negative outcome. I'm not going to get what I want. And so we learn, Olivia learns right now, that the louder she screams, the faster we jump. Did you, is that not a real situation? Right? Guess where you learned it? You learned when you were the size of Olivia, the louder you scream, the faster they jump. And so you're realizing in order to get what I want, complaining is a super effective way of doing that. To the place where we, we have become extraordinarily skillful at the art of complaining because I'm doing it in such a way because I need to manipulate my world in order to get what I want. I need to get favor from people. So I use complaints. You know, last time I, what did I do this? I did this a little while ago. Where was I? I was at Chick-fil-A and a couple of seasons, you know, Chick-fil-A, hallelujah, we get in a couple in Buffalo, but I was at one. I don't know where we were, but uh, we, uh, anyways, Chick-fil-A has these super large, round, waffle-style french fries. Anybody enjoy that kind of stuff? Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and so what had happened was, uh, because they don't fit real well into those boxes, because they kind of dump them in there, but if you have one and it kind of jams the way, then there's only two or three french fries that get in there. That's a real, that's a, that's a real problem, okay? Chick-fil-A, if you're listening, I have a complaint that I'd like to lodge. <laughs> now, what I did with that is the next time I went to Chick-fil-A, I registered my, sort of in a skillfully artful way, I said it to the lady, by the way, last time I was here, this is what happened, so can you make sure that if I'm going to buy a large fry from you, that you make sure that there's, it doesn't jam up like that? So I get, you know, all the carbs, as you can see, that I need. That was a skillful use of a complaint. Guess what? I did actually get a super large packed in waffle fry from Chick-fil-A. Guess what? It worked. Now what's the problem? I am addicted <laughs> to complaining and waffle fries. <laughs> the bigger problem is being addicted to complaining. It worked. When you get a positive outcome out of a negative thing, you create an addiction. When Olivia gets Jess to jump when she screams, she got a positive outcome to, a, to a, the use of a negative strategy. Why? See how all this works? This is why these kind of problems are systemic to the human condition. Because all the world is upside down, and we're coming into a world that's got all of this stuff going on before we even realize that we are a human being. We're already learning 
that there are positive ways to get outcomes using negative strategies. Does that make some sense? And so we have to really take a solid look at this concept and begin to at least start the journey of becoming a person that doesn't complain. Okay, here we are. Number two, soliciting help. That's the number one. Soliciting help or favor to get what I want. Number two, this one's fun. Soliciting pity or an expression of care or love from the person being complained to. So, Caitlin, I just need you to know I've had such a hard day. What am I asking Caitlin to do? Blow me off and treat me like I'm garbage? No, I'm looking for Caitlin to go, aww. (laughs) Because somehow I feel like if I can just get Caitlin to feel and care for me a little bit, express a little love to me, then I'm going to feel better about the fact that I'm having a lousy day. Doesn't that sound like a brilliant strategy? Doesn't it work like a charm? The only problem is, (laughs) it's complaining. And so by complaining now, we're we're looking for pity. We're looking for other people to join in our misery to somehow think that by joining in my misery, it's going to feel better. Can I tell you, nobody ever feels better. That's why you have to go and tell every single person in the church. Because you don't feel better when that happens. You're doing it, you're getting a positive result, you're getting loved, but in order for you to get loved, you've had to put this huge negative out there by complaining or by acknowledging that there is this thing that isn't right in your world. So you've been miserable all day long because of that thing. You wasted your whole day and you didn't really get a lot of pity. And we'll talk about it in a minute. Go ahead. You need to be on the thingamajig there so that our friends in China. Oh, I, yeah. Michael, catch up to you. Come on, Mike. You can do this. No pressure. No pressure. is that the Lord will bless us. And when we're complaining, in essence, we're looking for the enemy to bless us. Mm. When we're doing it his way, that's essentially what we're doing, is that we believe that his ways will bring us blessing instead of God's ways bringing us blessing. And the only only problem with that is it works in the short term. It really works. This is the problem with all of these manipulation techniques. Complaining, for the most part, is manipulation. We'll just cut to the chase here. And manipulation does work, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but there's some very significant things that happen when we try to manipulate our world. And so we'll get to that once I get down there. Uh, So listen, for that number one, soliciting help. This is is Jude Jude chapter one. Well, Jude, there's only chapter one. Jude verse 16. These are grumblers, complainers walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. So Jude is identifying all of this stuff to be the expression of people who are trying to gain advantage. Obviously, we can see that that's not said in a positive light. Then this one here, soliciting pity or an expression of care or love from the person being complained to. We know that it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, it's talking about God and his his ability to work with the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. He says, casting all your cares upon all of those people who you go to church with. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Casting all of your cares upon him. Can I tell you, this is where the Lord started with me at this point right here. He said, why are you complaining to Tina all the time? And he says, isn't that what you're supposed to do with me? (laughs) So God is saying, if you need somebody to care about you, that would be me, God speaking. And so if you have somebody to complain to, complain to me. So in my prayer time, because you know my prayer time is confessions, and you got to do your thing, and imagination, and it's good to do those things. But what I've determined to do now is that when I spend time with the Lord, if I have a complaint, I give it to him. So you know this wife that you get? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But what I'm I'm doing is is, uh, it says, cast your cares or complain to God. Whatever your cares are, whatever you're carrying, whatever your day is about, give that to God for he cares for you. 
So what I'm doing is I'm learning how to take my complaints to God and letting God love me in the midst of my complaints. Because that's really what I want. I really don't need help. I don't, you know, I guess I do need help, of course, in everything I do. But most of the time I complain because I want somebody to understand how miserable my life is going. Even though I don't even think my life is miserable, it just happens to be in the mood. You know what I mean by that, in the mood? And so the, I just I stopped doing it. I'm saying, okay, God. So this is kind of weird. So, because I don't, I don't, you know, if I'm going to complain, I need there to be a person there, you know. Because I need some pity. I need some, <laughs> someone to kind of like, yo, Pastor Ian, you're such an awesome guy. And, you know, stroke you and all this kind of stuff and make you feel better. And, and so but then it's like, but then I go to God. I don't do that to God. I haven't until, the now, until recently when I don't do that with God because I don't get stroked. Usually he goes, like, what's your problem, buddy? Just do this. <laughs> That's what he does. He cares for you. He gives you the answer. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't go, oh, okay, come here, give me a hug. He doesn't do that. That doesn't do it to me anyway. But I don't really, I'm learning to not need the pity. I'm learning to not need someone to feel sorry for me. Pastor Ian, you work so hard. You need a rest. Well, I do when I don't, but I don't need that. I need the answers. I need to, I want to come up to the zone where all this stuff is working so well that I live like Jesus lives. Isn't that why we do this church thing? We're not here to get pity from other people. We're not here so we can learn to manipulate real well in a Christian way. What we're trying to do is we're trying to learn how to allow the supernatural life of a son of God to be expressed out of our lives to the place where we're accomplishing our destiny. Isn't that what we're here for? That's what we want. Okay. Uh, So number three, the reason that we complain is releasing negative energy to get relief. You know, it's, a, it's great. I don't read Job much. I don't read the beginning. I don't read the middle of Job much. But it's just great in, this, in chapter 7, you know, where Job's going on and on about, you know, misery, misery. Why would I even bother getting out of bed? You know, these kind of things. And it's like, and then, you know, the, the overwhelming upset of my soul comes out of my mouth in complaining, he says. <laughs> That's what happens to us. Your complaining is usually something that you have meditated on for quite some time. And you're finally going to say it to somebody. That's what it, this, is like a, this is like the mornings of your soul. They're like the, the overwhelming negatives that you feel in your soul are coming out of your mouth and complaining. Instead of figuring out another way to, to use that negative energy or use, I shouldn't say negative energy, but use the energy that you have, uh, that has come up on the inside of your soul to begin to fight back against why do I have such a negative expression, negative attitude, negative expectation, negative perspective, all of these negatives, if we release that energy, we're not using the energy to fix the real problem. And you do that in, you can look at it in natural uh, comparisons in our lives. You ever had, you know, a problem that you could fix, but it's so much easier just to complain about it? By the time you finish complaining about it, you don't have the energy to fix it anymore. Uh, (laughs) And you don't, it's like, it's not even a problem for you anymore because now you're expecting that the person that you complained to was going to fix it for you. They don't, of course, giving you for something else to complain about tomorrow. (laughs) See, this is not good. The strategic way this works it's, we have been programmed to think that this works well for us, but it does not work well. No. Does it work well for anybody? Right. Does that make some sense? I think there's a fourth one here. Oh, just bad habits. So, you know, like in, in uh, the Israelites coming out of Numbers 14, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, they're slaves, and God is bringing them out into the wilderness, and they're saying, you know, okay, God, we got the whole wilderness thing, but what are we going to eat now? You're going to make us complaining about the fact that they don't have the leeks and the carrots and the things that they used to have back in Egypt. And so you just, it's not that they weren't, I'm sure, not grateful if they would focus on it. They're just in a bad habit. They're just always looking for what's wrong with my life now. And I get it. When they grew up as slaves, that they're in a powerless world, which is really what the problem is here. If you take a look at a person who is experiencing negative, the reason you complain is you feel, you feel as though you do not have the, the, the power to overcome that negative thing that you're feeling. And this negative just keeps building up on the inside of you until it finally comes out of your mouth. Instead 
as a powerful person as you are, your supernatural design as a child of God filled with the Word of God, you have all power that's necessary, certainly to fix the very insignificant and small problem you're having now, because God's given you the power to solve problems a hundred miles ahead of where you are as you build to pursue the destiny that God has on your life. That same supernatural power that is solving problems way up there is the power you have now. And so there's nobody in here that's a powerless person. Nobody that is got, who is, understands that they're a son of God and has the understanding that the word of God is the answer to every equation planted in the heart of a human being, expressed out of their mouth, received into their life. And shazam, it works. Where was I? Bad habits. So just begin, as I think for most of us, we're really got to be you know, giving ourselves an assignment to stop complaining. Just stop. Don't do it anymore. Have somebody in your life that's going to say, okay, we're not doing this anymore. And not that I'm going to just be your confession police, but I'm going to be the person that's going to be there and say, you know, nah, it sounded like a complaint. People with a powerlessness mentality soon develop a habit of complaining, grumbling, murmuring, and all that stuff. And one of their primary mechanisms as one of their primary mechanisms to manipulate their world and the people in it. Complaining, for the most part, is what a powerless person does to try and seize control in a powerless environment. People with a powerlessness mentality soon develop a habit of complaining, murmuring, grumbling, whining, as one of their primary mechanisms to manipulate their world and the people in it. Say, I don't want to be that person. That's pretty much, are we, all, are we all there for that? Here's something for you, the, some of the lies. My life was better. If my life was better, I wouldn't complain. Doesn't that sound like it makes sense? That's not true. We looked at it for the, for the children of Israel, right? They, were, they had learned the habit of complaining. And so they're in the wilderness and God just delivered them from the, the wrathful hand of Pharaoh, and they get into the wilderness, and they keep complaining. And so even though their life got better, they didn't stop complaining. They were in a habit of complaining. Can I tell you something? This is just a little marker for yourself. My observation, human observation of life, people who really have something to complain about don't. When I go, we've, how many of you have been to Africa, right? You know, the interns that went there last year? Did you have a whole line of people in front of you that met you at the airplane because they wanted to complain about the misery that's going on in their lives? It didn't happen. It didn't happen one time. I defy you to give me one example of where somebody came up to you and said, okay, I've got all these complaints that I want to give you. Right? My observation has been that people who have something to actually complain about are not the people who complain. It is the people who have things starting to work in their lives. And so take a look at this model here. Move my glasses. Maybe I'll spell better with my glasses on. So we have people that are, that are you know, in the place. Uh, let me make sure I have the drawing right. Oops. So people that are down here in real misery. And then there's people who are in, sort of like in the life is getting better. And then there's people up here that live in abundance, in whatever area. I'm not just talking financially here. There's just like, it's, they, as far as they're concerned, it's going on. These people, they don't complain. These people complain. These people, no complaint. The key, this is what I, because we can do one thing. You can bury yourself in a whole pile of misery if you like, and when you get far enough down into a real problematic life where literally your life is a pile of misery, you'll stop complaining because there'll be no point, and you'll realize that. Anybody for that one? The real answer to the equation is to get up here, to get into the realm of abundance. Can I tell you where the realm of abundance starts? Now. The realm of abundance, when I have a revelation that I am living in the abundant life 
now. What will happen to me is I will stop complaining. When your soul gets into the place where it really understands that you are in, you, God created you and created creation in such a way that there is abundance all around you all the time. You don't have anything to complain about at all. Not even that you should zip your lip and don't complain. It's your perception of the world around you is it just isn't anything to complain about. I'm just loving life. I'm living in the abundant realm. I'm just, the flow is everything is moving towards me. Everything is super great. If I need the temperature in the, in the church to turn down a little bit, Holy Spirit, would you just wake Pastor Ian up, please, and get him to change that for me, hallelujah, and I'm done. Because I've released my care to God, and if he wants to change it, he changes it. If not, I guess I need to lose some water weight today, Lord, so I'm just going to sweat it out here in worship. Either way, I'm, told, I'm just not going to give it any mind because, I, because of this initial spot where I recognize that I live in a realm of abundance. Once the soul clicks over into that spot, which can happen in every person's life tonight, as Pastor Tina said prophetically before I got up here, you can leave that problem of complaining up here and never have a reason to complain ever again in your life if you will adopt an attitude that my life is like Jesus's life. He said, don't complain. John 6, 43. He said, don't complain. So that must mean Jesus never complained. He never had a complaint. He went all the way to the cross, through the grave, and back out resurrected without one complaint. I'm sorry, what was your problem again? Could you just? It's possible to do this if we, have, we maintain the right soul attitude. Complaining is not a measure of the quality of your life. It's a mental, emotional al- attitude, or I put in here, or better to say, altitude. It comes from focusing on what's wrong rather than what's right in a situation. Focusing on the question rather than the solution. It's treated as a very casual way of relating your feelings about a present situation. If your feelings about a particular situation are anything but abundantly positive, then don't say them. Just zip it and just, don't just zip it because now what you're doing is you're bottling up that negative, right? Eventually you're gonna complain. You'll just find someone that doesn't go to church here or wasn't here tonight and didn't watch the show, and so they're going to find them. You see the problem? No. But when you're in the moment, I need you to figure out if I was an abundant, if I had abundance of health, what would I say right now? If I had an abundance of relation, positive relationships, what would I say right now? If I had abundance of finances, what would I say? Look at it from the position of abundance. What would be my comment facing this issue if I was abundant in that area? Let that roll around in your mind. And I'm telling you, this is not easy. Your brain is going to want to pull you. Wait, what are you thinking about? No, you need to think about this really negative thing. And it's going to try and push you. Your own soul is going to try and push you over to the negative. You know, Tina and I had to do that. You know, we go out to, when we go out to dinner Friday night, date night. And so we both couldn't wait to get to Friday night, date night because we haven't had a chance to complain to each other all week. So now we have this awesome opportunity to complain to each other. And we would come back and just, you know, we'd come back from dinner. It's like, well, I don't even feel better. I'm going to go home and go to bed. Not the good way. You know. Because you're so negative. Because you've taken this, got this special little time now. We build a whole zone around the ability to complain to somebody. Can you learn from our mistake? It's not a good way to do it. Before Christ, we're complaining becomes a habit of expression because it, it is the exasperated expression of a hopeless person. That's what a complaint is. And it, it, who even like, does, it, does that sound attractive to anybody? An exasperated expression of a hopeless person. So somebody complains to you, what you want to do is you want to hit it with the antidote. You want to pump some hope in there. 
You want to pump some, some positive outcome in for them. Even if you don't, you know, like, don't slap them, right? That's not going to be good. Because then they're going to have something else to complain about because you slapped them. But if you put the positive in there for them, give them hope. What they're, what they're saying to you is, I'm feeling powerless in this hopeless situation. That's why I'm complaining. And they're, they're, they're literally pulling the circuitry apart where the, where the abundant world that God created and their abundant physical body and their abundant finances and their abundant relationships would normally be pouring forth for them. They've shut all that off. They just don't know it. As a Christian, though, as changes begin to take place, this is this thing here. We get into the Christian life where, you know, we're in the real misery, and then we come into the Christian life and we start complaining because now things are starting to move forward and we're spending all of our time focusing on the things that aren't quite right yet. And so Christians can even become more of a complainer than we were when we were helpless in the world because now we're noticing all these negatives but still feeling helpless in the midst of it. Getting a revelation of sonship and a revelation of the Word of God is a critical piece of that. Discipline yourself to hold your tongue. At least notice the negativity so that it can be stopped. As you move towards a revelation of sonship, possessing the power to change anything, you will have something to say to the situation, but it will not be negative. That's what you're looking for. People who are who complain about their situations are telling you, I don't really think the Word of God can fix this problem. Because we don't have enough of a revelation yet of how our lives filled with the Word of God expressed with a doubtless mouth, a doubtless soul, are actually going to fix that problem. If we just stop the doubt, we'll start learning that this actually works. Then when we face that situation, I don't have the expectation of a negative thing happening. I now honestly, because of my experiences, because of my history, I honestly have a positive expectation that as I speak the word of God in faith, in hope, it's going to change. That the circumstance is going to get solved. And then I'm just in the place where I'm just receiving. I'm just waiting. I'm just receiving it all the time. Just wait, just receiving it, just receiving it and we become skillful about receiving. Does that help you? Is that zero, zero, zero? I mean, I'm out of time. Abundance is a mental attitude evidenced by a lack of complaining. So what you do, this is now for all victory folk, what you are telling people when you are complaining or what you should be listening to yourself is if I am a complainer in this area, I'm not saying anybody is a complainer, not an identity item, but if you find yourself complaining, what you need to do is go back and say, there mu I must not have a revelation of abundance in this area. So I need to go back and really fix the problem, which is I need a revelation of abundance. I need my soul to really get it, that this is what's going on. And it needs, it's needful in the beginning that we take for our lives, that we take a religious approach to this. Religion being, I know it's bad to complain, so I'm just not going to complain. I am going to learn so that my lifestyle, through a revelation of abundance in every area of my life, I will grow there so that I won't even have something that I have to control. But in the beginning, specifically when it comes to doubt, the scripture even says, judge each other in this thing, is do we have doubt? Are we putting doubt into other people around us? And so the one area where we're given license to help be helpful in each other in a judgmental way is in that place of, am I allowing doubt to rule my life? Because he knows once the truth gets to you, you can have one scripture, you know, Luke 15, 31, beloved, I'm with you always. And all I have you. That's all the one you need. It fixes every problem in your life. It's the doubt problem that becomes the short-circuiting factor. Put your hand over your heart. Hallelujah. Yeah. You got, you got, you got something to say before I pray? Well, are you, are you going to help lead us in a prayer? I am. Of repentance for complaining? 
I think Is there anybody in here actually? I, I think that's where we maybe need to begin. I mean, there might not be anybody in here that actually complains. So first of all, is there people? Have you ever? <laughs> is there an occasion ever where you have had the opportunity to complain? Just don't Any, look around. Is anybody in here going to put their hand up to say, him. "I have taken occasion <laughs> once or twice"? Anybody in here? Yes, I think that's where anybody it begins. In is anybody in here? We accept responsibility. Okay, so for you know, Jesus says, things. "Don't doubt." What does that make doubting? It makes it a sin. Okay. Ooh. Now, you know, sin is based on deception, but sin is still sin. Sin is still an affront to, this, to God and to creation. God's willing to forgive you, and then we gotta deal with getting rid of it in our lives so that creation then keep blocking our blessing from coming into our lives. I was just gonna say that. Complaining okay. is a blessing blocker. Yes, and what, and And what we're doing tonight is we're accepting responsibility for the lie that says the enemy can bless us. That if I do yeah, things in in an anti-God way, somehow I'm going to get what we want. And so what we're doing tonight is we're saying, Lord, I'm I'm smiting smiting hitting the water, and I'm crossing over in the Amen. name of Jesus. Oh, I'm not, water. I'm not doing I'm not doing things I'm not doing things in a natural way anymore. I'm doing right. things I'm doing things God's way. So let's so let's yeah, just anybody do that. interested in that saying, let's you know just what? do that. Can I, anybody see this is this is a, this is a significant thing for the kingdom to really deal with this issue and become people that are just you know, no matter what. You can't remember Pilate with Jesus couldn't get him to complain. And and what we're gonna do after that as you lead us to do that is I'm just gonna ask the prayers to come up yeah. and I I heard at the beginning of service what the Lord wants to do is if you're in the house and you would say, um, I've been working on something for a long time and you you honestly are in the position where you would say, like, I'm working, I've been working on my healing, I've been working on a relationship issue, I've, I've been working this thing, I've been working it and working it and I haven't seen anything, we're, we're going to go through that place of repentance and I believe God wants to open up the altars and he just wants to release just a refreshing and just a new grace to pick that thing up again like you said in the beginning having done and done and done things and not seeing the results we wanted wanted and realizing now that that complaining is a blocker now we can release the expectation of receiving in the name of Jesus so I'm gonna ask the prayers to come on up as Pastor Ian leads us through this okay so put your hand over your heart so we're gonna deal with come two on let's fill the altars leaders. two different three di two different levels Okay, the first level being that there is a really good possibility because complaining does work, that most of us are addicted to complaining. That there is a positive outcome that we are expecting when we complain. So put your hand over your heart and say, Heavenly Father, I want nothing to do with the ways of darkness. Those ways of fear, dread, and selfishness and so Heavenly Father I declare I want nothing to do with this addiction that I have created with the act of complaining murmuring grumbling and whining I declare from this moment forward that addiction is broken and cast out from my life. Holy Spirit, release me from the habit of complaining. I know that the ways of the devil, while attractive at first, lead to killing, stealing, and destroying. I know then that complaining is stealing from me. It's not giving me anything. Say, Jesus, thank you for releasing me from this addiction. And I speak to every demonic force that has connected itself to my soul, to my life, or the lives of my descendants because of this addiction. And I declare any of those connections are broken in the name of Jesus. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask your forgiveness for any sin that I have committed through the act of complaining, where my selfishness 
expressed out of my mouth to get what I want, to get pity, to get, uh, what was the other one? releasing, uh, using complaining to release negative energy or just because I've built a bad habit. I ask your forgiveness for those sins and I receive my forgiveness. Because the Bible says that if I'll confess that I'll get forgiveness. Not I might, I will get it. So I receive my forgiveness. And because I'm forgiven, I speak to every demonic force connected to those sins, connected to those agreements, to those covenants, to those habits, and I cast you out. Murmuring, complaining, grumbling, whining, go from me in the name of Jesus. And Heavenly Father, I know that the root to these things is in a negative perspective that produces an expectation for a negative outcome. Heavenly Father, it is my decision. I step over that line and I declare that all of my tomorrows are positive. I look forward with a positive expectation to all of my tomorrows. I know that I am your beloved, that you are always with me, and all that you have is mine. So I know for a certainty that all of my tomorrows are positive. I can look forward to them with great expectation and I choose from this moment forward that negative thoughts, negative expectations are no longer part of my life. Therefore, I don't need to look around to see if there is anything that I'm unhappy with. I don't have to look around to see how I feel about my present circumstances because I know that now is in the future from a few minutes ago. And so therefore, everything about my now is positive because God is going to use every second and experience and situation in my life for my good. So Holy Spirit, cleanse my soul remove its ability to perceive negative things, negative situations around me. I'm choosing from this moment forward. Holy Spirit, this is not a fad. It's a lifestyle. I'm choosing this lifestyle for the rest of my life. I'm choosing to have a positive, abundant perspective to every situation for the rest of my life. Say, Holy Spirit, it is my right as a child of God to choose the perspectives of my soul. I'm choosing. I'm choosing to have positive, abundant perspectives to every situation for the rest of my life. Say, Holy Spirit, you know, I need your help. I need you to gather people who will support me. Lovingly, caringly, support me. People who are heading in the same direction because they understand the same things. 
put a guard on my mouth and a watch on my heart to make sure that the expressions of my life are always rejoicing, they're always praising, they're always strengthening, they are always holding fast to my expression of hope. In Jesus' name.